going to turn now to uh, spend some time with scripture, to our sermon um, and to a time of response. If you're new or visiting, if you're um, with us for the first time, my name's Lydia and I'm the curate here at St Dinus. And each week we spend some time in scripture, allowing it to mould and shape us. So where you are now, if you've um, got a Bible, maybe a tablet, a phone, an iPad, a laptop, please would you um, turn to a couple of scriptures. Firstly, John chapter 20, verses 11 through to 18. And then secondly, as you go further into the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through to 18 also. Um, we're going to have those verses up in the screen uh, too, but we thought it might be helpful, I thought it might be helpful, if you can, to have it physically in front of you too. Now, I don't know how you have um, found this week. It's been this sort of culmination of four weeks of a lockdown. I certainly um, have found real moments of joy and peace. Equally, um, there's been some moments of, of lament, big questions floating around. But at the same time, we are in a season in the church where we are rejoicing. We are rejoicing in the resurrection hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We're in Easter time. And we find ourselves right now in that kind of tension. The tension of all the hope that we have in Jesus. That we have in the things to come. But also the reality of the here and now. The reality of a fallen world, which at the moment is going through just an awful virus. And so we as Christians are walking out a kind of now and not yet reality. And we find that in scripture. As we turn to the Gospel of John, as we turn to the letter to the Thessalonians, as we look throughout the various books, verses, chapters of the Bible, we see again and again that the Lord is in that tension. That he knows the fragility and the fallenness of his good world right now. But he also promises us that there are things to come. That we have resurrection hope in Jesus. And it's to those truths that we turn today. And so our first reading is in John chapter 20. Verses 11 through to 18. Tim addressed this last week, but I thought that we would start by looking at it again. And as we track through these verses, do you take a moment to consider, to hear, actually where can you feel that tension? The tension of the grief and the weeping of Mary, but also the hope and the revelation that she finds in Jesus. Equally, when we get to the letter to the Thessalonians, again, hear the tension of things right now and also things to come. So John chapter 20 verses 11 through to 18. John recorded these words in about 90 AD, so we're 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We read together. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. 
They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabinyai, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father, to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And then we move over to 1 Thessalonians. And this first letter to the Thessalonians is written by the Apostle Paul, that great church planter, leader of the Christian faith. And he's writing in 50 AD, so about 60 years before John's record, and about 20 years after the ministry of Jesus. But as we read these verses in chapter 4, 13 to 18, we find similar realities to that record of Jesus' encounter the risen Jesus with Mary. We feel, we sense, we know as we read these words that God is saying to us, yes, there is grief, there is difficulty, there is joy in the current world right now, but there are also things to come. There are great promises of resurrection hope, of life everlasting, of a new heaven and a new earth. So let's read together. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. 
Amen. Let's pray for a moment before we go any further. And Father, we thank you your word is living and active, that we are shaped and conformed to your likeness through and by it, that the Holy Spirit breathes life into us as we read your scriptures. So as we dwell for a little while this morning in the truths of John and the truths that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that you spoke into being, would you change us and draw us ever closer to your heart. Amen. So we've read and seen in both these scriptures, we see throughout the New Testament, this promise of restoration, of resurrection hope, of a life to come. But what on earth is that, that all about? We gain glimpses in these verses. We see that there is something beyond and that we are told not not to grieve but not to grieve as those without hope we are told to fix our gaze on things to come and the eternal hope the resurrection hope that we have in Jesus today and forevermore is that he has died and he has defeated death and in so doing, there is a life everlasting and things to come. So firstly, Easter Day, the great defeat of the evil that is death. Jesus Christ, he had to die in order to take on death. In the first century um, and the beginnings of the second century, there was a great father of the faith called Irenaeus. And Irenaeus was trying to find words to express the truths that we see in Scripture, the deep truths of the Christian faith. And he said this, What has not been assumed cannot be saved. What has not been assumed cannot be saved. And what he was saying there addressed all of the life and the ministry of Jesus, the fact that he came as a human being like us. But it also focused on his death and his resurrection. Actually, Jesus had to assume death. He had to go through death. He had to take on death in order to transform and defeat death. That is what he did on the cross. And that is what happened when he was raised again, when he met Mary at the tomb, and again, when he appeared to his disciples in the days that followed his resurrection. Jesus Christ took on death in order to transform death. So we know that the foundation of our hope is that death is a defeated foe. But equally, really practically, we don't deny the fact that there, there is death right now in this physical world. We live in this tension. And so scripture also gives us the promise of the things to come. That actually a day of complete fulfillment is coming. This day that um, 1 Thessalonians that Paul is teasing out. Admittedly there's a lot of imagery there that we don't have quite uh, sort of have time to go into right now. But as you read through scripture you see the promise of all that is to come.
Scripture calls it the new heavens and the new earth. A promise that on the great day of judgment, Jesus will return at the right hand of the Father to judge the living and the dead. That all of those who are in him will be scooped up. That this whole world will be restored. That heaven will meet earth. That we're not kind of floating off to some cloud-like, perfect, heart-playing existence. That actually God is going to come. He's going to renew all the creation. He's going to renew us. There'll be perfect work. Perfect communion with God. Perfect relationship with each other. That all will be redeemed. That that is the hope that we are looking to. Whilst we live in the tension of the now and the not yet, the things to come. C.S. Lewis, um, that wonderful author of the Chronicles of Narnia and loads of other books, used to uh, speak of the far country that we are desiring, this far country that we are looking to and desiring. Tom Wright um, calls Christians Easter people, Easter people. We live in light of the cross. We are Easter people looking forward to the things to come. So that is our hope, our great resurrection hope, that death has been defeated and transformed. But whilst we live on this earth right now, waiting for the day of the Lord, we look forward to a hope. We park ourselves firmly in eternity and hope-filled realities that call the future into the present. So how do we, how do we do that? Um, I've sometimes been challenged by people that, right, you know, you shouldn't be sort of so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly use. But actually as you look at scripture, as you consider the lives of Christians who really run this race and run it well, right through to the end. What you see again and again is actually a focus on the things to come, a focus on eternity, on our restoration, on our resurrection hope, makes us more present and more effective on earth right now. We're called to be people who are present in the present, whilst being anchored in our future hope. Because it's our future hope that fuels us. It's a vision of eternity that sets us on fire and makes us effective in the world right now. Because we can see the greater things to come. We know that this is not the end. And one day it's going to be set right. And so we're called as Christians to take scripture really seriously. To take the power of the spirit and all that he reveals to us seriously. And to dwell richly, both in the here and now, and in our future hope. And to again and again take hold of eternal realities and pull, walk out the kingdom of God. Walk out future hope in the here and now. Point to something greater. Call people into relationship with Jesus. 
share with people that this is not the end of the story, that there is so much more to come and it's going to be put right. And there's probably never a better time to announce those realities than right now. Right now, people are longing for hope. We need to know that whilst it is physical and practical death in our world, in this moment right now, actually death has been defeated and there is a resurrection hope. There is so much more to come. So how do we conceive of that? Um, I think it's about considering where we pitch our tent. Actually, where are you pitching your tent? When I was growing up, um, my dad was really, really into camping and my mum was not. So me and my sisters were often slightly dragged off on often quite sort of dubious um, camping twi trips with my dad. And um, they were maybe flagged, labelled quality time with dad. And so we'd, we'd rock off to Snowdonia or wherever, tents in tow. And the success of these camping trips, by and large, rested on where we pitched our tents. So if we pitched our tents in a good place, um, kind of close to the toilets, but not too close, it was smelly, um, on sort of dry ground, not in a ditch if it was going to rain, it would be an okay camping trip. But if we pitched our tents in the wrong place, it was invariably a complete washout, a complete disaster. And actually much of our Christian life is like that. The challenge is to pitch our tents, to pitch the tent of our life in the right place, to pitch our tent in eternity, in the things to come, to dwell richly in that, to cultivate that vision and to bring that into the tent of your life. And so the challenge is, where are you pitching your tent? Where are you pitching your tent? And then the practical encouragement to pitch your tent in eternity. It's basically threefold. We do it by pausing in scripture, by praying in the power of the spirit, and then by practicing and living our lives in this way. So pausing in scripture. Can I encourage us over the coming weeks to spend time in scripture, especially in some of the New Testament letters, and to consider what they tell us? What are they showing us? What are they promising about all that is to come? What do they tell us of hope, of eternity? And as you pause and dwell in scripture, also pray in the power of the Spirit and allow the Spirit to cultivate your heart and your mind in Him to give you that vision of eternity. And then with Scripture and prayer, the power of the Spirit as your fuel and your armour, we put this stuff into practice so that when that situation comes our way, whether good or bad, when that thought flies across our minds, take hold of it, take a deep breath, take a step back and think, actually, what does this mean in the light of eternity? What does this mean in the light of eternity? How can I bring eternal realities, the hope of things to come 
into this situation. We pitch our tents well. We cultivate future hope, resurrection hope, by pausing in scripture, by praying in the power of the Spirit, and by practicing the presence of God, eternal hope, eternal realities in our everyday lives. That's the challenge. That's the encouragement of Easter. To know that this is not the end, that he is coming and he is going to put all things right. Death is defeated. And so what we're going to do now is to spend some time responding to the Lord. The Holy Spirit has been with us throughout this service. He is always with us. But when we get to points like this, we often have a kind of heightened awareness and expectation of who he is and what he is writing over our lives. And so just in these few moments now, Perhaps you might like to put out your hands in front of you. That's not a magic trick. It's just a way of adopting a posture that says, Lord, I'm here and I'm waiting. I'm going to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh. That he would show you where your tent is pitched and enable you to pitch your tent further into eternal realities that make you more present and more effective more aware of the truth of the world right now for the glory of God. So let's close our eyes, let's pray, and then we'll have some time in the quiet for you to consider where you have pitched your tent. So Lord, we say that we love you and we thank you for your presence amongst us. And Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you fill and change us? And would you reveal hope to us, resurrection realities, eternal truth. Amen. Amen. Let's just spend some time in the quiet, continuing to dwell in the Lord's presence. And Father, we thank you for all that you are doing amongst us today. And Holy Spirit, would you continue to conform and strengthen us to who you are and show us more of your glory. Amen.